0: The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. You can support the show by clicking on the Donate button on the website or in the show notes.
1: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CANDIDFRAME at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. I always enjoy discovering stories of photographers for whom photography wasn't their initial career path. It's easy to think that you had to take photography seriously in your early years in order to make it a viable career. Nicole Strupert had a successful career in marketing when a knee injury led to a lengthy recuperation period. But rather than returning to that career, she saw it as an opportunity to throw herself into her passion for photography. And since 2012, she's been leading a career as a working photographer based in Munich. She's also the creator of the Woman in Photography blog, which I know will be a valuable resource to those of you who share our mutual passion. For photography. Well, Nicole, welcome to the Candid Frame. I'm really, really pleased to have you and talk to you on the show. Thanks for having me. I I really like talking to people for whom photography was not their first career choice. Mm -hmm. And you started in, in, in marketing. And I want to start there because I'm really curious as to what you were doing and what eventually led you to pick up a camera.
2: Yeah, my, my usual profession was in marketing and advertising for more than 10 years. I really liked and enjoyed my job. and uh, But there was a certain time where I really felt that marketing is going into another direction with all the digital development and all the digital devices. So the last, I would say the last two years of my career, I was it was an up and down with me where I was thinking, is it that where I want to see me in the future or not? And then something happened that um, I had a little accident with my knee. I needed a surgery and the surgery kicked me out of my life for around two years. And I couldn't walk for more than two years, which was, it was a kind of hard time. And on the other hand side, I also was really... I uh, burned out of my job. But this time, these two years made me think and reflect about my life and what's really important in my life. So when I was little, I always dreamed of having a creative career or being a photographer and being a photojournalist and travel around the world and take pictures. So I was thinking, uh, why shouldn't I try this? I mean, I'm out of my job for two years. I've worked a lot, a lot, a lot. And maybe it's right now it's the time to start this career. It was in 2005, I guess. Yeah, I was in L.A. for a couple of months between two jobs um, where I start to pick my camera again, my first digital camera. And I start to walk around in L.A. and uh, took pictures. That's where I took the pictures of a Walt Disney Music Hall. And my friends saw the pictures and uh, said, oh, my God, they're super. And you have to do something with your photographs. But during that time, I mean, I was totally into my job and I said, yeah, but it's just a hobby. Mm -hmm. But when I got sick, I mean, there was this break and then the final decision came. Okay, right now it's the time. So I have to start thinking about it. So what happened is because I couldn't walk. I um, took my camera and every day I walked outside the house and started to walk and take pictures beside of it. So photography helped me to walk again.
0: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, and um, during that time, I also started to get interested in uh, street photography. My friend um, Drakehead from Tokyo, he's a street photographer in Tokyo. He's doing amazing photographs. And so I saw his pictures and thought, oh, my God, I need to do the same. And so that's how I started to get more and more and deeper and deeper into photography and to work on my skills.
1: Do you think that your limited mobility helped you during those early, early uh, months and and years to develop your eyes as a photographer? Because, you know, you just couldn't just start walking miles and miles like a lot of us <laughs> typically do. You had a limited range of motion and, and, you know, I'm sure that you could get easily fatigued at first. Do you think that working with that, that kind of limitation was helpful to you?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's. I guess it's complicated. It's, it's difficult to answer because I think I always had a different way of looking to things. I mean, it started when I was little. I, um I was seeing things what probably other people didn't see in the first sight. And so I was always a visual person. When I watched um, um, films, I didn't look just about the story. I also looked how the camera was going around and what tiny things could be interesting. So I think everything was coming all to all together. In the beginning, when I started to walk again, it was more like um, losing the fear to take pictures of strangers.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: so, so I wasn't focusing at all. It was just about losing the fear and to walk.
1: You, you mentioned earlier that people started seeing the photographs that you were making in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What were what were those images like? What were they out?
2: I mean, the most important images I took in Los Angeles for me was um, the Walt Disney Music Hall. Um, I was a- always being intrigued by uh, great architecture and good design. And in the beginning, it was just that what I was focused in, in good architecture and design and not about people and street photography. Mm-hmm. So I tried to see the what is Disney Music Hall the way I see it, what I feel, what, um, yeah, I mean, just let it flow. When I came back home, Back to Germany and I was looking at this picture I mean it's I just I finally thought oh my god I mean it's great what I've done and yeah it's it's how can I describe it it's yeah I, I think the Los Angeles uh, Walt Disney Music Hall pictures were for me the most important which made me think about doing a career as a photographer
1: so, how did you make that transition? Because I can imagine a lot of people being in, in just the same situation that you're in. Yes. You know, they're, they're in a career where they don't like it. They pick up a camera. They feel that thrill and that excitement at being mm-hmm. a creative. And then mm-hmm. there's the big question, well, how do I do this?
2: Well, okay. In the beginning, it was just being focused to work on my skills to become better, to um, go um, more to London um, I'm going in between Munich and London. My family is having um, a house there. I'm very lucky to uh, fly one hour um, and be in one of the best cities of the world. And London is very is inspiring me a lot. So I was, I was flying in the beginning to London, spent there my time and just taking pictures. And after a while, I had a, a little portfolio I had a friend who was working as a photojournalist for the d p r the German press agency. He said, "Well, I give you a contact. send your portfolio to the lady to the representative and I said, "Yeah, okay, I do that and so I sent my portfolio, and five minutes later, I had a contract. It was amazing, oh my God so um the first thing, I guess it was three weeks later. Uh, there were the Olympic Games in London, and they asked me to do some photographs about the spirit of the Olympic Games. So the surrounding, the street life, and so three three weeks later or four weeks later, I was in London and shooting that, and so that was pretty exciting.
1: That must have seemed really surreal.
2: <laughs> yes, it was. It was, and actually, it was pretty a pretty tough job. So it was my first real situation. To uh, shoot something, you know, with with a goal, and um, actually, I thought it wouldn't be so tough because uh, when we had the World Cup here in Munich, the whole city was packed with fans, and so there was a huge crowd, and you could feel the spirit. But London is so big, and it really made me a hard time to find something, mm-hmm. and so. Most of the time, I was walking around and looking and searching. And so it was every day, it was between 8 to 10 hours walking, traveling, coming back home, going through my images, made them ready, uploaded to the press agency. So it was really tough work. After 10 days, I was really tired of it.
1: Did you feel a certain level of intimidation? Because, you know, there are a lot of photographers that are out there. They always notice the the new person. Very competitive, um, did you feel any of that pressure, or were you just so caught up in making your pictures?
2: Yeah, I just was concentrating on my work. I mean, it's 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 a contract as a freelance photographer. So I give them my pictures, and they sell it for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Of course, it takes time, and it's really difficult at the moment. Of course, everybody knows it yeah. that it's nearly impossible yeah, to make a good living as a photographer. And that has so much to do because uh, magazines and uh, newspapers they don't want to pay for any photographs anymore, which is a real shame. Because I think it's there are so many good photographers out there, and um, a photograph can tell us much more than uh, um, a text. And so it's it's a it can have a huge impact um, on somebody. And I think it's time that. They pay a photographer uh, a, a good amount of money that they can live live off it.
1: So, so how do you you know how do you work that out for yourself you know because because uh, uh, as you said being a freelance especially for editorial work yes. isn't very lucrative.
2: No, it's it's not. I mean, I'm I'm really in a fortunate situation that I. I mean, I, I try to make to, to make my living, which is really tough and hard. But I had some 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 money beside, so I had the freedom to be just focused on on my work to develop my work. Oh, nice! Which is really nice. But at the moment, I'm really thinking, okay, where's going? Where's my direction going? Because um, I know it's so tough and it really. Last year, there was a certain time where I was thinking, what am I doing? I mean, it's really tough to make a living. And um, also, if you're doing commercial work, sometimes there's this issue. You have a vision and the clients have a different vision. Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's a huge, it's not a problem, but it's like, why am I doing it? And um, where is my goal? And I guess one of the, one thing what happens was that I read a really good book It's from uh, um, Elizabeth Gilbert. It's called uh, Big Magic. And she writes about her life as a creative person. And uh, she said um, she once dedicated her life to write. And that was the most important or that is the most important thing in her life. But on the other hand side, she needs to make a living, Mm -hmm. which everybody of us needs to do. And so she started to say, okay, my freedom is my writing and um, I need a kind of bread job to make my living. And at that point, I'm currently, so it's like I have little day jobs and my freedom is my photography and doing what I want to do and what I want to express with my images. And um, the new thing in my life is women in photography, which uh, is in the start, in the beginning, but it will develop more
1: and more. Yeah, and that's, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is this mm-hmm. new blog that you've created, which is focusing on wonderful women uh, mm-hmm. who are producing some amazing photography. And I, I see it as an, a really valuable resource. But th- tell me about what led you to, to the idea of creating this blog and, you know, and soliciting the work of, of women photographers from you know, all over the world to showcase their work.
2: Um I guess during my time as a photographer i um asked, i started to ask myself, so where are the women in photography? I mean when I was on on a website doing some research or checking out some um photography workshops eighty ninety percent it was just men and i thought hmm, why <laughs> where are the women i mean it's why. Aren't they going to photography workshops? Where is the work? Why does brands support more more men than women? So I couldn't understand why. Because, of course, they are brilliant female photographers. So I was talking to a few friends of mine and thought, oh, what would you think about making a website about women in photography? And everybody said to me, well, that's a brilliant idea, give them a platform to present their work. And so I was thinking about a few weeks. And later, I just started the Women in Photography uh, blog. And um, I started to make contact to some female photographers to get the first interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then I got submissions. And it's I mean, I'm blown away by the work they sent me in. It's it's amazing, and it's it's really great to have a platform now to present the work. I get positive feedback, so I need to keep on doing this work.
1: And it's so and it's so important to have um, a place where people can find work that they wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I created the the podcast because mm-hmm. I I had a similar experience when I was working at the magazines and I was reading all these photo- photography magazines and I would see what seemed to be the same people being interviewed over and over and over again. Yes. And, and it was like, well, I know there's other people out there who are doing some amazing work who, who may not be these master photographers, yes. uh, but who are producing really interesting and exciting work. And I see that in, in your blog, the, uh, having the opportunity to not only discover it but to share it with other people is really, really satisfying.
2: Yeah, it is. And I think uh, one of my main goals with this uh, website is to show the work of hobby photographers and professional photographers. Mm -hmm. I want to show uh, a big diversity what female photographers can create. So this is very important for me. It's not because some I get some um, emails from women who who is, are writing me and I'm not good as the other photography. My work's not good like this and that. And so I try to motivate them. No, I mean keep on doing your work. What you feel, what's important to you, and it will be brilliant. So it's it's a kind of also motivation for for a female photographer to spread out their work. That's one big um, goal for me.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. There's so many people, not 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 just women, but uh, people who are. I don't want to use just the word insecure about their work, but I think mm-hmm. that it's it's that you look at some of the great work that's being produced out there, and it can feel like oh, my work doesn't, you know hit the mark. Yet, when I or you or other people take a look at the pictures, it's like, oh my God. And I think what Mm -hmm. it is, I think it's a a lot of the time is that the work sometimes is very different, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes very personal. And so when you look at that work, you're not going to see it reflected in a lot of the other work that's out there. Mm -hmm. And so it can make you feel like, okay, yeah, this is fun for me, but no one else is going to be interested And the reality is, is the uniqueness of the voice and the approach that makes those those photographs particular to that person is what makes it great, is what makes it interesting.
2: Yeah, and I guess, I mean, especially if you're working on a project for many years, I mean, you are so used to it and you see it every day, every day. You don't see it like somebody who is seeing you work the first time. So when I was working on my, I'm still working on my project Tales on Shortage, which which is a documentary about shortage, a London um, area. And so I started in 2012. It was just in the beginning. I mean, I was shooting there and taking pictures uh, for fun. After one or two years, I uh, I saw, oh my god! I mean. this area is changing so, so fast. So, and I got some really good shots. So I showed it to some people and they said, oh, they're amazing. I think with time, you know, you, you get so used to seeing your pictures that they get kind of boring sometimes for mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. But other people see it totally differently.
1: Well, I, I certainly want to talk to you about your, your tales on shortage. But before mm-hmm. that, I want to uh, ask you a little more about, about the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, about the blog, and I get the question all the time, but what are you looking for? You know, what, what are you, when you get, you know, a submission for, for the blog, or yeah. you just see work, what is it that you're looking for that gets you really excited, that makes you say, oh, I want to talk to this person, I want to see their work on my site?
2: Um, actually... I could say the most submissions I got, it's 80% I'm interested in to represent. It's really amazing work what I get. I mean, there are two sides. The pictures, uh, the project, which could be interesting because in our next, I I think in the future, in the next couple of weeks, we will have a fantastic project from uh, a Mexican photographer who is having a project called A Common Day about transsexual in Mexico. This is one brilliant project where I think it's, it's, it's great. It's a social aspect, a political aspect, which we have to talk about it. Then there's also a personal story behind the photographer. There's one, one woman from um, Holland, and she's handicapped, and she's doing street photography. So there are all these different backgrounds they're having and all these different um, projects which need to be told.
1: Do, do you find that the projects helps you to pique your interest more than, simp- than someone simply submitting a selection of individual Im- images, a portfolio of images that cover a, a broad range of, of material?
2: Um, I'm looking at the moment about more on projects because uh, I would like to, yeah, tell kind of story. Mm-hmm. But I'm planning also um, a kind of series called um, "The Story Behind the Image" because there are also brilliant. There's also brilliant one photo which really speaks to me where I think the story behind the pictures needs to be told. Mm-hmm. So I guess I will open it it up a little bit. I mean, I'm just in the beginning, and it's still like finding out in which which direction the site is going. The last few weeks, I was just being focused on, on the interviews just to put it out and um, show good work. And the next step will be doing a little bit of um, public relation of the site and finding um brands or cultural institutions who like to support the site or who are interested in probably working together. So this are my next step steps with a site.
1: It, it it consumes a lot of time, I can tell you from experience. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: how, I know, I know.
1: So how are you balancing that Because that's you know, when when you create a site it can take on a life of itself and then you're like you said before you know, you're out there hustling, making a living as a photographer, doing your mm. commercial work. So how, how are you sort of balancing, balancing it out and trying to make sure that you find the time to be able to, you know, do the research, do the interviews, update the blog and, and all that?
2: Oh, um, I'm still figuring out, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I set my goal doing one interview per week. In the beginning, it was two interviews per week, but um, actually I decided it's better to start with one interview uh, per week. And this is working really good. I mean, I had a little break. I was two weeks in Abu Dhabi. And uh, so I just came back. And right now, I mean, there's lots of interviews, which I'm doing and preparing and and next step is focusing also on the publication for for the website, and I'm sure I'm pretty good in organize, organizing myself. So I'm sure um, everything will really works out. So I'm pretty optimistic.
1: <laughs> are you talking? You mentioned the photographer in in Mexico. Um, yes. Are, are you finding that um, that you're getting responses from people from? you know, not just Europe and, and the United States.
2: Yeah. yeah um, I'm getting feedback uh, from the United States, from Europe, Mexico, of course, it's United States. Uh, it's not United States, it's America. But I really hope that somebody from Asia is coming in, on Australia and Africa, so I would like to show the work from all over the world. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's quite interesting to see how photographers... Um, yeah, what kind of vision they have for me in Africa or in, in Asia, India, yeah. or wherever. I mean, it's quite interesting for us. We all can learn from it.
1: Yeah, because I, when I look at Instagram, I, I realize how much of an untapped resource mm-hmm. uh, there is in terms of, uh, at least my show, in terms of people that I want to talk to. Because I see people in... In you know in South Africa mm-hmm. in Nigeria, I see people in like Dubai I see people in in southeast Asian countries, and yes. I go, "Wow, these people are doing amazing, amazing work, yeah, comparable if not better, to what I see in the magazines and all the you know the popular photography websites and I go, man, I just I gotta find the time to 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 try and talk with some of these people and get them on on the show but it it can be tough i mean." for me it's just an issue of, of of time, not only just finding the time but also scheduling mm-hmm. like we have we're having to do some juggling here because you're on the other side of the the world, but uh, some places can be more difficult to you know yeah. reach out to um so having in the advantage of not having to record it like i do uh is is a plus
2: yeah i mean for me it's quite easy i mean I just send uh, away an email and I get a feedback and then We uh, start to exchange some information and then I'm doing my interview. So it's quite relaxing compared to your work. It's, It's much more easier via email.
1: Stories like the one we're sharing with you today demonstrate the importance of getting your work out there. We spend so much time and energy making photographs that we forget that these images are really meant to communicate and inspire others. Relegating our best work to a hard drive can rob your photography of its power to inspire, to inform, and encourage others. That's why it's so important to get your work out there. You never know who can and will benefit from it. And I believe a website is one of the best ways to do just that, and Squarespace is a great way to do it. Their beautifully designed templates are not only great to look at, but you can customize these sites to reflect who you are. Your website doesn't have to look like everybody else's. This is about how you can showcase your work in a way that's unique to you and who you are, and there's no easier way to do it. Find out for yourself. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code "CandidFrame" to get ten percent off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So let's go. Let's go back to your your project that you've been uh, working on, which is mm-hmm. the um, uh, the shortage, uh, London. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that neighborhood and what what drew you to it
2: shortage is a district or area it it used to be um a work kind of um, area where workers lived you know a
1: working class neighborhood or yeah a
2: working class neighborhood okay it's exactly and um i guess at the end of At the end of the 90s, it started to develop that artists were moving into this area and there was lots of street art. And um, then the creative agency moved in this area. And so it was very a cultural area, very colorful, um, with lots of contrasts um, about the working class, the creatives. And uh, it was quite exciting being there. I like being in urban urban areas where you have contrast, this is for me a huge inspiration. And so in the beginning, it was like just going there and take some pictures because it was quite exciting, all the street arts, the contrast, the architecture, the people. And so I started to shoot. During the time when I was shooting, I also met the people there and started to, to make contacts. And uh, yeah, after a while... I guess one and a half years later, I mean, I started to recognize that this area is changing a lot, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. that
2: it's becoming a hip place. And, you know, every time when it's becoming a hip place, then they they build new apartment houses, which costs a sane of money. And uh, so the whole area is transforming and um, the spirit and the soul of the area is becoming less and less. So last year when I was there, I found that this is not the shortage I used to know,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: which was kind of sad. I mean, I was walking my streets like um, I used to do and all these building complexes they were gone and um, they got turned down and the new luxury apartment uh, was built. And uh, so it's quite interesting to see how a city is transforming and also its people, how It's,
1: it's transforming. Yeah. I mean, when I think about, you know, a lot of people talk about gentrification and they talk about how bad of a thing it is. And, you know, and, and I think there's good and bad to, to stuff because it's nice to see some development in areas where there wasn't uh, wasn't any. But it does shape the, the, the feel and tone of a community. Because mm-hmm. some of the people who I, I feel made the place sort of interesting and colorful and Is sometimes lost, but I I think sometimes, at least in some neighborhoods, the life on the street is lost.
2: Yes, I think it's less soul, and um, it's also kind of boring. I think, I mean, last year when I've been in London, I felt it felt it so different. I mean, London's always been expensive. It's always been hectic and stressful. But this time I felt it's like being a soulless place because everybody's just focused on making money to live in this, mm-hmm. in, in London. And uh, so when you were sitting in a cafe, you heard people around you said, Oh, we need to move away from London because we can't afford our apartments anymore. And so it's quite of sad that. I guess, normal working people can't afford the life anymore in London. People from, I don't know, from China or uh, Russia, they, they are um, buying all these apartments and the market is, is going up and nobody can afford life anymore, which yeah. is kind of strange, I think.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it just makes things very difficult for the people who can't, not only yes. afford those, at those expensive places, but just the fact that you know where do these people go because you know affordable housing is one of the biggest challenges here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles but also in San Francisco also in New York um and I, one of the things that i lament about it is that that in those communities communities that are often sort of life on the street mm-hmm. you know you would see you would see individuals you would see families you would see uh, social interactions that for yes. a street photographer were just great and it seems when certain areas are gentrified, that the people walking the streets, it's the, the same dynamic isn't happening. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's lingering on the streets; they're just going from point A to point B. There isn't the sort of the life there that made at least picture taking really exciting.
2: Yes, and I think also. Most people are just being in their own world. They're they hanged to their digital devices and walking blindly down the streets. And it's, it's, there's no communication anymore. Nobody sees each other anymore. Right. It's mm-hmm. just everybody is in their own world and running from one point to the other. It's, it's really um, interesting to see how the world is changing and how it develops.
1: Yeah, when I would visit my cousin in Washington Heights in New York, Uh, we would walk down the street and it's like, you just couldn't continually walk down the street because every, every few minutes he's bumping into somebody, who know, he knows.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: he's lived in that neighborhood for, you know, 50 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's constant engagement that, that I'm witnessing not only with him, but with everyone else. And for me, that's, that's fascinating, particularly living in Los Angeles where, You know, nobody, notoriously, nobody walks in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. but being in a community where there is that regular social interaction with people who are familiar with each other, that is just so great to be able to try and capture with a camera, as opposed to a community where you, you have a density of people, but they're not interacting with each other. They live in the same building or in the same community, but they don't know each other socially. They're just sort of these ghosts that are passing each other. And there's something that's sort of lost there, which is kind of sad.
2: But that, and, and I think that's what life is about. I mean, to communicate, to interact, with each, which which e- with each other. So um, that what lives make makes it, or what life is f- fulfilling you. So uh, I think it's one really, really important thing in your life. What you you need to have that that you. Yeah, that you communicate and interact with you each other. Know,
1: you spoke earlier about your work at the um, the Disney Hall. And mm-hmm. those images are very strong, you know, in terms Thanks. of line and shape. But that sensibility is, you see it in all your other work, whether it's the, the street photography or the portraits. Your sense of line and shape is really extraordinary. And is that something that... Is just innate for you? Is that something that comes completely natural, or mm-hmm. are you really conscious of that when you're out there doing your photography?
2: No, it's natural. It's the way I see. It's it's it, it's always been there in me, and um, it's like you know, I'm I have my camera and I get lost. I mean, it, it, these images are coming. I, I always say it's coming straight off my heart. It's the mm-hmm. way I see. It's the way I. I want to present that work. It's like if I see architecture, it's it's kind of poetry to my eyes. So I I try to visualize um, what the architect might have seen. But actually, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. I just have my camera and let my eyes see and hmm. capture it.
1: So when you're when you're out there, uh, let's there's a there's a project in here um called lost in space
0: (laughs) okay and i
1: think that really i really i think that really exemplifies how interesting and how far a particular interest in in a certain aspect of seeing can become transformative when people think about architectural photography Mm -hmm. they think about walking around taking pictures of buildings but this series I, i looked at it and it was just like wow this is so cool. Really? And, yeah, because I, I look at – It's
2: quite – actually, it's quite interesting because I was doing this this kind of project and I sh- showed it to people and they said, oh, God, what's that? I don't understand. And I said, well, I like it. I just like it how it looks. And I was just playing around with a part of my architectural um, pictures and mm-hmm. I built things in, in Photoshop. And that's it. I mean, it, it was quite simple. And I really liked the outcome. But most people didn't like it. And I was really thinking, put, do I put it on my website or not? But finally, I thought, no, it's quite – I like it. And it's for me, it's quite strong. So I put it on my website.
1: I look at that work. And then I look at the other work that you've done. And it makes perfect sense.
2: Okay. That's great to hear. Thank you.
1: Because <laughs> what, you, you know, what you're doing – in terms of how you're seeing space, how you're seeing shape, how you're seeing form, how do you how you're looking at how things interact with each other? I think it's really interesting. And I, I I was like, it surprised me, but when I looked at it, in, you know, in context, it was like, oh yeah, this makes really this makes a whole lot of sense. And there's a consistency that I like, and I'm glad to know the story in terms of you deciding to put that up there mm-hmm. because I can imagine that a lot of people wouldn't put it up there because it's so different from all the other work that they've
2: done. Yeah, I guess the last few months, I mean, I was, I guess, personal. I made a huge transforming where I was reflecting the last three years of my work, what I've done, what I've experienced, also being a a freelance photographer uh, for the German press agency. And so I found that I have to trust much more myself, my instinct, what I would like to do what I see, what I visual, visualize, and to, to trust it and just put it out. And so this year it will be my main focus to work much more on my artistic um, style of my artistic vision. Yeah, to develop it more.
1: Do you, do, you, do you find that you were maybe changing the way that you were shooting because you started thinking about what other people want? Was that part of the the part of the yes. issue?
2: Okay. Yes, I think so. I I guess um when you started to become a photographer, uh, um there's a kind of you're kind of insecure is it right what you're doing? Is it maybe that what's selling and so I mean my background is marketing and advertising. I I do have a, I would say a good sense what is selling and what not. But actually it also could be very uh, difficult to develop yourself as an artist because you always have in your back in your head, oh, is it selling or is it good, which is not. It's, it's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to let loose of it. I guess one, one lesson I've learned was when I studied uh, digital art, at the University of the Arts and my uh, teacher said to me uh, for my final project because um, I was thinking oh my final project it looks like this and that and so we were talking about it and he said no Nicole it's it's, it's wrong I mean you have just to develop and experience and don't think about the final project and I was so used to it mm. because I mean in marketing you have deadlines you just be focused on the results That you don't play around, that you don't enjoy the process. And uh, this is what I had to learn again, enjoying the process. And um, yeah, play like a child with my camera. That's what I had to learn again. And um, at the end of the day, I think this is the best outcome if you don't think, if you just hear what your heart is telling you and your eyes and it's just let it out. And this is really, really difficult in these times, I think.
1: You know, I've I've been thinking about that because I'm doing some photo work right now and I have complete autonomy to shoot Mm -hmm. what I want and how I I want it. And I'm finding that I really enjoy it. Yes. And then I thought about those times where I've said yes to a job and I'm doing it based on what they're telling me they want and what they need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, pulling me here and saying, oh, shoot this and shoot that. And then it's like, I, I realize how averse I am to that
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I, I just don't get into sort of my no, natural flow. And I was thinking, I yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying the way that I'm working now. But it's like you you really have to feel like this is this is how I do things, and how important it is to explain to someone who wants to hire me. This is how I do it. This is what I need to do this work. And if you're excited about this work. This is the latitude that I need to be given. Otherwise, it's not going to work.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's what I've learned too, um, and why I choose now going to that direction, having kind of part-time job and just doing with photography. Like I want to see it, because at the end of the day, we all have these visual voice and we have this vision who we want to put out and actually it's quite interesting to see because people are coming to us because we have that vision but if you get a job then at the end of the day they want to have a different vision or they try to explain you how they want to have that picture Mm -hmm. but it's so against your vision and what you see and how you see it and so it's not easy i mean to combine this yeah i think I mean, being creative the best is you have the freedom to do what you see and what you want to spread out.
1: Yeah. And I think part of it, and I realize that part of that is my own mistake because I didn't take the time to explain it and insist on it, Mm -hmm. right? Because I was so eager to get the job and to get the paycheck that I was willing to be as accommodating as I thought I needed to be in order to get the gig and then... I, it was it was more my fault because I wasn't saying I would love to do the work, but let me g- explain to you what I'm going to need in order to be able to look like the work that drew that drew you to to me in the first place.
2: Yeah, but I've heard in the latest interviews um, of the candid frame a really interesting point of Matt uh, Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, who who said, um, you know, if I'm getting a job, and uh, of course the clients want to have. The image, the way he sees it, and uh, the photographer sees it differently. So he's just doing the job for the clients, and then take the time to shoot the way he sees, that's sees true the too. things. Yeah, and I think this is a brilliant advice. Um, at the end of the day, then you can present your work to the client, and um, I'm sure he, in most of the times he will choose the work how you see, and not the way he used to think it would be the best.
1: Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes it
2: is but i think it's a really brilliant advice i've heard i said oh yeah that's no, a great yeah, idea that's very
1: good solid yeah tell me about you know you do practice a lot of street photography but what tell us a little bit about where you live do you live in a community where you can just step out your office of your your front door and there's a community out there that, or do you are you a person that needs to has to commute to a certain area in order to produce your photography what what's the story there
2: uh well currently I'm living in the middle in the center of Munich, uh, which is a beautiful beautiful, beautiful city, uh, very close to the Alps Austria, Switzerland, and Italy mm-hmm. um, but actually, the city is quite um, i I always said, a bit of boring i mean it's it's everything is clean everything is is um, it's a safe city and uh, it's nice people, but for me. To shoot and make good street photography, I think I need contrasts. And um, so I'm not going often into the city of Munich to shoot some street photography because I don't feel a lot here. But when I'm in Berlin, for example, or in in London, it's like going out, have my camera and bang, 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 I'm shooting nearly everything because I'm so inspired. And I need this kind of feeling to, uh, yeah, to, to take good photos. So that's a little bit of handicap that I'm in but I try to do the best.
1: What do you find most inspiring of, about the photographers that you're profiling on your, on, on your site, Women in Photography? What is, you know, what's influencing or, or, you know, igniting the spark for you when you take a look at these, at these people's, at these women's work?
2: Um, that's a really good question. And it's really difficult to, to answer. Um, I do remember there's one photographer, female photographer, her name is Amy Kanka Valadaska. I hope I pros- pronounced it really good. And she sent me a project, which is called Miss Taven. It was like a white series, a fine art project. And it was like, I saw the picture and I was speechless. I, I just was speechless. I couldn't describe what the pictures did to me and I just sent her feedback. It, it would be really difficult for me to do an interview because I really don't know how to describe your work. It has such a deep impact to me and I can't explain why. Mm. And I think finally it's, it's really tough to talk about the work of other people and sometimes I think not everything you need to explain My personal opinion about art is that every one of us sees and feels differently when they see art or photographs. And that's the good thing. And sometimes it doesn't need any explanation. It's just a feeling what you have. Sometimes I just want to, to leave it like that. Yeah. Because I, I, I've been to the Leica exhibition, just one example, last week uh, with a friend. And we were standing in front of all the original original photographs and documents of our time, Nick Wood and uh, Henri cartier Prison and all this work. And so he was standing in front of a picture and he said, OK, but can you explain me why it's an important picture? Can you explain me uh, why... It is so famous. And so, you know, it's because this picture didn't speak to him. He couldn't understand it. And I think sometimes you just need to leave it. It's not that we all have the same feelings, that we all see the same way. Yeah, sometimes I think it's better to just look at it, feel it. Yeah. Um, How can I explain it? (laughs) You you know what I mean.
1: You said it perfectly.
2: Okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why?
2: Okay, um, difficult questions. There are so many, especially uh, with my uh, Women in Photography blog. But actually, one photographer last year, which work I discovered was the one of Renato D'Agostini. Mm-hmm. He's an Italian photographer, and he just had a project where he was traveling with his BMW from New York to the West Coast um, of the, the States. He used to be the assistant of Ralph Gibson, the photographer I really oh, yeah. admire.
1: Mm-hmm. And we interviewed on the show a while ago.
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> I've heard it. And uh, so Renato D'Agostini's work is really it's, it's impressive. It's so, it's kind of abstract. It's black and white. It's grainy. It's, I mean, I saw the image and I thought, oh my God, it's brilliant. It's wonderful. And he had this Kickstarter, um, Kickstarter thing going on because he wanted to print his book. And so I supported uh, that he could print his book. And um, so I'm waiting uh, for, for the, the print um of the book so oh, exciting yeah it is I and mean, it the work is amazing i wished i could have one print so <laughs> for my apartment
1: i look forward to discovering more of, of of his work i've not heard of him before but uh
2: but. yeah it's it's amazing i mean you should go on his website it's uh, renatodagostini.com i guess
1: and where can people go to find out more about you and all the work that you're doing
2: uh, well, I have my website. It's nicolestrupper. dot com, and I have Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter, so you can follow me there. And of course, woman in photography. So,
1: oh, great! And I'll have links for that all on on the website. Well, Perfect. Nicole, thank you. Thank you so much for making the time for me this morning. It uh, I really enjoyed having the chance to talk with you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks again for joining me. Please remember that you do make a big difference to our show. Take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. You can also support the show by making donations of any amount to the Candid Frame using our PayPal account. You can also support the show by making donations of any amount to the Candid Frame using our PayPal account. You'll find a link to this in the show notes and the Candid Frame website. Thanks to Thomas Felder and Jens Road, we taking the time recently to make donations to the show. It really means a lot to us. Thank you. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin MacLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.